Hello and welcome to Z Prime on the Grid, our show about issues concerning the energy industry. My name is Dylan Lockwood. We're here at the lovely SAP Media booth in San Antonio, Texas for Distributech. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, uh, Christine Richards, Head of Content and Research. How are you today, Christine? I'm good. How are you, Dylan? Doing good. Been walking around, seeing a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, we're also joined by Aaron Hardick, research analyst. How's your conference been so far, Aaron? It's been pretty good. Uh, I'm pretty excited to see Christine. You know, we don't see each other too often since it's Christine lives in Denver and I live in Austin. And then we're also reunited on the podcast. I had to miss the last episode and Christine missed the one before, but yeah. we're finally back. We're back together. Yes. Dynamic duo. <laughs> Got the gang back together. And our guest today is the Global Vice President for Utilities at SAP, Henry Bailey. How are you today, Henry? Dylan, doing great. Really great to be here. Well, thanks for sponsoring the podcast, and thanks for providing us with this awesome booth. Uh, I know people can't see it at home, but uh, if you weren't at Distributech, just imagine a big glass case with a, with a stage inside of it, like a newsroom. It's, it's, it's well lit. They've got a, this whole graphic going on behind us and a ticker. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. You, uh, you guys worked really hard on it, huh? Well, the whole purpose around this is we wanted to do something, you know, a little bit different. You know, you look around Distributech or any other conference in utilities and you see the same old thing. And so what we want to do is we wanted to bring the stories. That's what our customers tell us they want to hear. They want to hear stories about successful implementations, how they deployed the technology, and even cross industries, so not just utilities, you know, but what are dairy farmers doing to, you know, increase their supply chain and production and address new markets and, you know, manufacturers of equipment and how they're able to take IoT data and get to that next level of optimization. So that's what we want to do is really bring those stories. And this was the great venue to do it. And we set up the, uh, the booth to really be that new studio to bring the stories, you know, to the customers as they walk around the conference floor. And then when they get home, they can also see stories that they may have not been able to catch while they were here. Uh, what we wanted to talk about today uh, with SAP was something you've been uh, very focused on in your work recently is something called digital prosumer, which is a, you know, we, we've heard the term prosumer, uh, very active uh, energy consumers. And now they're, you know, now they're becoming more tech savvy using their, using their smart devices to try and you know, to manage their energy usage, both residential and uh, CNI customers are doing this as well. So uh, I, my first question for you would be, just as a starter, why are digital prosumers so disruptive? And do you think they're a hurdle to overcome or an opportunity for a new way of business? Yeah, so I think uh, really the whole mindset around the consumer as they change to be a, a producer and that prosumer you know, of energy um, really is around the lifestyle as they start changing their behavior um, being aware of situations around them. You have a lot of companies now coming into the traditional utility market. Apple, Tesla, Google are now coming in and offering uh, products and services that really appeal to these you know, prosumers and their energy lifestyle. So I think it's really the, uh, the awareness that now the prosumer has of all these different technologies and the ability to, to generate energy and be able to now transition to uh, electric vehicles. And that is really changing, we think, how the utility must start looking at the, at the customer. 
you mentioned you know other market players. We just did some research, some CNI research, and in our survey, we asked um, those CNI customers if they would be willing to go to a non-utility electric provider in their service territory. And I think about 60% of the respondents said that's definitely something mm -hmm. they would consider to move from their utility to an alternate um, service provider. Yeah, I mean, I think what we've seen is just that, that, that relationship, how involved do utilities want to be, uh, how involved do they need to be. You know, I was having some conversations last night where we were talking about, where we were talking about, um, you know, third-party providers coming in, you know, and they, they just don't have some of those constraints and, mm -hmm. and the regulatory environment that, that utilities are dealing with. So we find in a lot of cases it's not just that the utilities don't want to do it, you know, they, they are regulated and, and controlled in certain ways that, that makes it difficult for them yes. to be able to have those relationships. Yes, and, and I think, you know, I, I had heard that some utilities in the U.S. were trying to perhaps block you know, some of these new entrants, because as you said, uh, Christine, they, they don't have the regulatory hurdles yeah. that utilities have to have to get into maybe new innovative areas. So for example, they're uh, going to the consumer, uh, the customer and saying, we want to lease your rooftop. Well, the utility has no desire to do anything with a the rooftop. They want to block the solar companies coming in that are basically installing solar on the rooftop. And this is a way that they feel that they're able to, you know, compete by blocking new technology, which in my opinion is absolutely the wrong approach. And so I think it's really understanding that prosumer lifestyle and being able to offer, you know, products and services that appeal, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to what you described in your survey, 60% of customers looking at going to a non-utility, we're going to see that increasing, not decreasing sort of a difference in mindset over whether or not this is you know, a problem or an opportunity, whether it needs a solution or whether it needs a, a shift in business strategy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That uh, there's not buy a product and solve the digital prosumer problem. It, it's, I think it's going to be more about developing a, rela a relationship with the consumer in a way that utilities haven't had to do before. Right. Um, you know, we've looked uh, in the telecom space which I managed telecom back in, mm -hmm. in uh, my previous years at SAP. And um, we were working with a utility uh, here in Texas, and they wanted to know some information about switching, what makes customers switch, what makes them not switch providers, right? So if you have that 60% that are willing to you know, change, you know, what do you need to do to try to keep them? And so we, did a, uh, we had a study performed by an analyst company, and we found out that if you have five individual products in the mind of a customer, the switching goes almost to zero. Doesn't have to be different products that you're producing or providing, just in the mind of the customer. To give you an example, uh, banking. So I've got a checking account, a savings account, investment account, my mortgage. You know, once I get to that fifth product, the chances of me changing my bank go to almost zero. And when you think about it in your own personal life, if you've got that many services, you probably wouldn't change either. So how does a utility get those five different services in the mind of the customer? It may be managing the charging station for an electric vehicle, managing the solar you know, on the, on the rooftop, the battery 
um, being able to look at appliance monitoring and predictive maintenance, as well as providing the you know electric, gas, or water service. So that would be an you know an opportunity for utilities, even though they're not maybe in a competitive market like here in Texas, but even in a high leasing, the regulatory hurdles, as long as they're not you know selling electricity out to the grid, um, you know they're able to basically provide that energy for consumption by the consumer and then they can net meter back you know to the utility so that's something that i think utilities need to look at and it's why we're really studying this digital prosumer you know to get those products in the mind of the of the prosumer and help the utility be able to hold on to the customer well it seems like also just getting utility customers to to have the utilities more in their mind so if they have you know five different products or services, then mm -hmm. I'd probably think about my utility a little bit more than I do now, and there'd be more of that, that, right. that relationship. Yes. So. I think um, the technology is also now here. Uh, everyone yeah. uses Uber, you know, as an example. But when you think about it, you know, it, it really couldn't exist before the smartphone had the geospatial capabilities <laughs> to know location and the exchange through credit card transactions, you know, was available, right? So... It's really all those, you know, little bits and pieces of technology that, that kind of came together and created the opportunity to come up with that business model. You know, but sharing, you know, ride sharing goes back to the turn of the century, you know, where you jump on and off, you know, a little jetty for, you know, a nickel, right? Yeah. And then they tried to block that, you know, by putting regulation against the people who had the cars and, you know, and trying to block that. So it's, it's, it's been around you know, this whole concept of new business models and disruption and traditional models for, you know, for centuries. Well, I think it's, I mean, you talk about the, the disruption piece and, and then the technology that's available for being able to do it. Mm -hmm. And it, it made me think of something and now I can't, I can't remember it. Well, I think, you know, <laughs> a big problem that utilities are having, it's not realizing the competition out there, but how do they provide the customers the services and products that they want? Because there seems to be, you know, so many out there on the market now, but how do you really start to narrow down the most important ones? Yes. What do you, what do you think about that? You so I, I really, and I've said this, um, you know, as, as long as I've been in a global role, right? Probably because I'm in a global role. But utilities really need to look in the U.S. outside of the borders of, of the U.S. And for the longest time, they only really have been kind of the myopic view of, you know, if it's if it's not within the Pacific Atlantic, you know, uh, north and south borders, I don't want to really, you know, hear about a story that's, you know, outside of, of the U.S. Now, they're certainly looking outside the U.S. for other um answers, you know, to address exactly what you're talking about, where uh, in, in the UK, um, you know, the, the utility there is uh, looking at how do they uh, sell insurance uh, and, and, and be able to make money selling insurance because they're already in the home, they provide the programmable thermostats, they do security, so they know the risk profile of the homeowner and they can come in and, and undercut you know, traditional insurance companies because they know and have insights and are monitoring the home. So when you have, when you put together all those things that traditional utilities do already, and then you look at this new, you know, product or service that has a huge uh, margin, 
right? It's amazing, you know, the the quick response that utilities can make, you know, in in uh, markets for you know for new opportunities to to sell more. Well, I mean, do you think utilities within the U.S. I mean are are, are nervous about you know some of these ventures that that may be unregulated ventures? I mean, after all of you know Enron and the back to basics, I mean. It, it kind of went back to okay, we're we're delivering power, right, and generating it. Now it's starting to broaden out again. I right. Mean, how how do utilities really get comfortable with yeah. that? Yeah, I think it comes down to uh, to the data um, mm -hmm. that that utilities have an enormous amount of data, and you know the old saying, "Data is the new oil or new gold." It really is for utilities. You know their future, and yeah. they've got years and years and decades of of data out there. And they may need a little bit of additional pieces of information, but for the most part, they've got the information they need, you know, to, as far as the data, they now have to put it together with maybe some of these new trends that we're seeing in the customers. They may not have all of the, the customer behavioral data or consumption data, you know, at the right time, right place, but the ability to get that additional pieces of data to make, you know, the picture whole and especially around predictive analytics and artificial intelligence, machine learning tools that are out there now, um, I think they really have the ability to to see where they need to go with the data. Well, how much of this is uh, how much of this is technology based, and how much of this is communication based, mm. right? Like, uh, so what amount of it is collecting this data, processing this data, and making the technology people are asking for, and how much of it is education, talking with people, get uh, and gathering information on what uh, consumers' needs are. Yeah, I, you know, I think it, you hit on a, a very good point. I think the communication with the customer, um, you know, why not set up a little kiosk in the local grocery store with the local utility and just be able to have either a survey or, you know, get to know your utility or introduce some new ideas that they're thinking about and create a small test group that people could sign up for and fail fast, mm -hmm. you know, and learn quickly and see what really, you know, makes a difference. You know, would a, a homeowner uh, be interested in a, uh, a monitoring device on their refrigerator and freezer to where if, you know, something were gonna fail and food were gonna go bad, I would think someone would wanna know, you know, when that's gonna happen and, and receive a text. And then a service technician that's already scheduled to come out and, you know, that could be a third party. So I think all the things are there you know, the, for the utilities to really interact with the prosumer. Mm -hmm. and, and again, just because they don't have, you know, a solar panel or a battery yet, doesn't mean that they're already a sleeping prosumer, you know, waiting to jump out and really disrupt the utility. I think all of us, you know, are, are prosumer zombies, <laughs> you know, kind of walking or, you know, walking or walking around quietly. And as soon as we get presented, with the right tools and the right value proposition that makes a financial you know, uh, case that they're gonna move and they're gonna move quick. I feel like, like you talked about earlier, and people have thought about that for a long time, but mm -hmm. it just was not the technical technology and the technical capability to be able to do that. So now we actually have the opportunity to do all of these things. And I think it comes back to your point, Dylan, of the people piece, right? You know, how do you get the right value propositions in place, you know, how do you get people on board with this? Because now these things that people have been thinking about are actually really 
possible. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of just, you know, getting people on board and, and, and really looking at what's next. Right. I mean, we're not really seeing now a lack of data. It's how do you start to aggregate yeah. it and analyze it and separate it and use it in a way yes. that's useful. I mean, it's almost like an overwhelming amount of data that the utilities are getting, but they're not technical experts. You know, the utilities aren't IT experts. So how do they then leverage that data and turn it into something valuable for the prosumer is the big kicker, yeah, right? that's right. You know, getting back to the kiosk idea in the grocery store, what if you were to, you know, have someone, big sign that says, you know, what does your energy usage look like? We can tell you, you know, what yours is and print you out a personal report, right? Right there, right? Just anybody can do it. Most people don't. Most people don't even know they can do it. But now you've got a company that could come in and take that same data and basically show how you can, you know, not only reduce your cost, but increase your revenue by, you know, selling energy back, you know, to the, to the grid. And with blockchain technology that's rapidly coming about, the ability to uh, measure and sell energy down, you know, to the one kilowatt, you know, level and have uh, trading peer to peer is something that is uh, quickly um, starting to grow in many parts of the world. I mean, being at this conference, I feel like blockchain has come up several times even today. Mm -hmm. People have this very strong reaction. It's either they hate it or, you know, it's going to come, you know, it's coming and, right. and, and we're going to embrace it. So what, right. what's your perspective on blockchain? Well, the, the, the haters uh, <laughs> are anyone that's opposed to change because it's going to require them to get out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Right. It's not the, the eight to five regular work hour. Right. It, it's going to take some pain yeah. to understand exactly what's going to happen. And there's going to be failures that will come with it. Mm -hmm. But the winners are those that really look you know, for that um, that success and, and pay attention to it because it's it's moving very rapidly. Yeah. Um, so I think there's enough, you know, uh, kind of proof of concepts and, and uh, new uh, entries in the marketplace, you know, these consortiums mm -hmm. um, that a lot of utilities are, are joining. Uh, a lot of our customers are participating, but we didn't know that they were participating until I just happened to run across it doing a Google search before a meeting with an executive in Tokyo and found out that Tokyo Electric Power is participating in one of the largest, you know, blockchain oh. consortiums for energy trading along with several other utilities in Europe and uh, the Middle East. Wow. So it's happening. Yeah. And uh, they're investing millions, millions of euros or you know yen or whatever the currency is into this technology. Going back to the communication piece of it, one thing I think that can sometimes get lost in these conversations about the idea of the prosumer is viewing the prosumer as a singular identity. As a singular identity. You, you kind of touched on, you know, the idea is the prosumer is someone Who's got their utility? They've got their utilities app downloaded on their phone. They've got a, they've got solar panels on their roof, a smart thermostat, uh, Amazon Echo mm -hmm. hooked up to everything. And while that would describe a prosumer, lumping everyone in together like that can actually leaving some things off the table, don't you think? Yeah, I, you know, and that uh, like I said, you know, there's there's prosumers to be awakened, you know, in, in all of us, and how they wake up, you know, is is going to be different. You know, they're going to have different needs. So, for example, let's say that I don't want to invest in, in the solar panels on the roof. Maybe I live in a condo or an apartment. I don't have the, the surface area, you know, to do it. And I'm not necessarily interested in, in, you know, putting a battery 
you know, and, and maybe I have multiple homes and it just doesn't, doesn't work for me. But I'm interested in investing in renewable uh, energy in a way that will actually take and as the energy is consumed, put the money in my account real time. And that's, that is an option in South Africa. Uh, and actually the whole African continent, they are exploring and there's some companies that are already allowing you to invest in renewable energy and be paid through blockchain technology mm -hmm. um, for the energy as it's being consumed. So that's a prosumer because I've invested in generating, producing uh, energy and basically I'm consuming the money <laughs> that, uh, that comes from selling that energy onto the grid. You know, that's, that would be an example of, you know, we've got those who are installing uh, mm -hmm. and, and basically managing and it's their personal, you know, uh, lifestyle. And then you've got those from a financial investment perspective. And I think there's going to be in between, you know, that, that will also be uh, possible. I think it's also just, you, you have to, Keep in mind that change of mindset from a ratepayer to actually being a consumer. You know, now they're now they're our customers. They're not just our ratepayers. Right. And it's not just things that are behind the meter. Now we really have to. You know, you can't just say anything behind the meter. We really are starting to get into the singular customer. I mean, you can start. You start with a big strategy, like maybe what's the best for your service territory, and then you start to narrow things down based on the individuals. Um, but it's just kind of that change in mindset to me, I think, plays a big role mm -hmm. um, in that. I think the lifestyle, um, you know, is, is what what's changing to where now, just like, you know, before, you know, the, the, the telephone was, you know, wired into the into the wall. And so you had to plan your day around making calls because you had to go to a physical location. And, you know, maybe some of you don't remember those days, but you had to go to a physical location, right? Or it was a booth, you know, in the, in, in the side of a building and you had to deposit money and you had to, or put key in a, a card code. And that's not too long ago that we're talking about, okay? And so now, you know, it's the same thing where, you know, traditionally a uh, consumer is got service delivered to a meter, right, at a home, and it, you know, and, and that's where you put energy. But how, you know, what does transportable energy do, you know, to the to the lifestyle? And I think that's where the electric vehicle and the in the transition that's occurring in electrified transportation and autonomous, uh, you know, vehicles. I think it's going to change things beyond what we're thinking in the traditional get in the car and you know and drive. And then come back to you know your your home, and you know it's that it's that you know motion to get from point A to point B, but eventually you're coming back, you know to to where you live. Being able to transport energy with the battery in the car to another you know location to where now you've plugged in and you're living you know in a in another location where all the energy is coming from the vehicle that you use to get there. I think that that has a tremendous change and a paradigm shift for, for people. I want to bring something up to make Christine feel old because I like to do that. I don't think I've ever used a phone booth on the side of the road ever mm. in my mm. lifetime. What? I, 
I have because I my car broke my car broke down at a, at a rest stop in. And you didn't Montana. have a phone. I, di- I didn't have I didn't have coverage. It was in the middle of nowhere, oh. Montana wilderness. Okay. And so I had to, so I had to spend like a dollar. They're, they're really <laughs> jacked up now because no one uses them anymore. I'd use like a dollar to call my parents, and they didn't answer. So I had to leave a message on a payphone that they can't call back, but and just hope that they showed up to because I didn't have AAA. <laughs> That's, that's that, what life used to be like. But I mean, yeah, there was a time, there was a time that not, not all that long You're ago because I, was, there was I remember a time, I always said I had to use pay phones. I, I remember using pay phones a lot. So. I remember a time when you had to spend extra, where you had to pay extra to call someone in a different state. So like I, my grandmother lived in New Hampshire we, and we just, we'd rarely hear from her except for on, bir- except for on birthdays because it would, because it would cost too much in long-distance charges. Now, she just texts me a lot. Or she would if she remembered to hit the send button. But then, she, but then when I see her, she complains that I don't respond to her text she doesn't send. Oh, man. Have, you seen, have you seen the, uh, the show uh, Better Call Saul? Do you know that I've yeah. seen show? some of it, yeah. Okay, well, you just have to remember the, the kind of the picture at the, at the beginning. He's in a phone booth, and it's in the desert. Do you, do you know? Are yeah. you familiar? Okay. I'm I'm almost 99% sure that I've been in that phone booth. You've been in that it's, phone booth? There is a phone booth in Indian Springs, Nevada, which is on the way to the Nevada test site out in the middle of nowhere. It's at least an hour outside of Las Vegas on 95 North. And I, Nevada test site was a customer of mine back a long time ago. So I had a bag phone, right? But the cell would not work out in the middle of nowhere, you know, where the skulls were all alongside the road and so it was like 104 degrees and I had and I I called my boss and I told him I said I said I am about to die (laughs) to to call you and uh and and so that was my argument for getting a new you know mobile pocket phone that had Ah. you know the next generation of cell technology that was my uh, justification was the you know the phone booth out in the middle of of nowhere. And I think that's, you know, like what we're talking about, it's the digital prosumer. They've stood in that phone booth out in, you know, Indian Springs, Nevada, long enough. And, you know, they're, they're basically ready for a change. That's why 60% you said of people were willing to go to a non-utility, you know, and it's not that the utilities are, you know, are are bad people or they have Mm -hmm. bad service. It's that there, it's the yesterday view and the minds of the, you know, the new generation that's, you know, that's expecting an Uber, you know, type of, you know, experience and an Amazon, you know, and Amazon just bought another, um, what did they buy? They bought another storefront. They've just announced they're, they're investing in oh. another, another, you know, traditional storefront. You know, they bought the grocery chain and now yeah. they're. Now they're going into convenience stores, and they bought. A, I think they bought a convenience store chain. I'm, don't quote me on that. <laughs> what was the Check that before you. Well, they bought Whole Foods. They bought Whole Foods. They bought Whole Foods. No, this was this was a couple of days ago. I saw the little my little text message. That oh, because I thought they launched a convenience. They launched a convenience store from that like prototype that's open. Yes, but I think that's it's an it. Amazon store. So. Okay, so I don't think the, they've bought. So they didn't buy a convenience store. I just saw like a snippet. So yeah, they've been testing it for a while. My facts. <laughs> yeah. No, they've been testing it for a while within, I think, 
Amazon headquarters somewhere, yeah. and then they actually opened. It's just an Amazon store. Apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's the walk. But it's a. It's now they're going to the personal touch, right? Is that what? Yeah. They're, so their hope is that they that you know people walk in. Yes. Apparently, they scan a code, right? And then they wander around. You get whatever right. you want, and right. then when you walk out, it it's just there. it just magically appears everything. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting to see, you know, technology go kind of one yeah. way and then Amazon realizes, yeah. okay, well, um, you know, we need I, to have I, that. My, the, my book, I've got an, I think I've got two, uh, you know, Kindles. Um, on my bedside at the hotel is a paperback book. I'm, I'm back to reading paperback books. Do you know what those I, are? <laughs> I've seen. I actually prefer what? paperback books. <laughs> Whoa. That was some serious shade. I, yeah. I do. I prefer paperback books. I just don't like the screen in my eyes. Um, but I, I got sidetracked. I was gonna so, so here's why. Here's why I went back to paperback. It's very simple. I can measure my progress in the book. I do. And I think it's, you know, physical. I can see, okay, I'm halfway through that book, you know, and I'm, I'm really into it. And it's like, now you want to, okay, flip, flip, flip. Okay, I've got that much exactly. to get to the next chapter, right? And so, you know, it's like, it's, it's like you're on a journey, you know, uh, you have a goal, right, of, of certainly yeah. finishing the book, and it's an enjoyable, you know, journey, so. This came up in a, a recent conversation we had, and it's just that you get the satisfying feeling of closing. That's right, that's right, over, that's right, close it out. that's right, closing yeah. the chapter. Closing Would you go back to the payphone? Uh, if there was a, if, if there was a uh, <laughs> air-conditioned, Payphone oh. in Indian Springs. I would get out of my car and go pick up my cell phone and call from there. Okay. No, it needs. Okay. No, it needs to be there so people can can call their mob bosses about crimes they just yeah. committed. Yeah. It's a good yeah. plot device. Yeah, that's right. So I'm getting this analogy. So if I'm if I'm taking this analogy to its logical conclusion, you're saying we should go back to AMR, right? <laughs> no, I'm saying that you need to look at you need to look at the reasons you know that were that were there, and then how do you bring those into the, the new generation? You know, Amazon going to a storefront. What you know? What's the benefit of of doing that? Well, it's probably because of the uh, immediacy of, of gratification of getting something there that you can physically touch and if you don't like it you can return it immediately you know that's the thing about amazon you can return without any issue but it's still you have to go through put in a box and you know and and you're not talking to anyone and you have to put that you know bland label on and then you know well, i think people value community right yeah. so i mean yeah and human to, interaction to have Whole Foods now, I mean, you can go in there, you could talk to someone, you know, yeah. you can have the Amazon lockers, all that kind of stuff. So I think, I think no matter how technical things get and how digital they get, people So what if there was community. a club for prosumers, right? You have the local prosumer, you know, club. And people go and they share ideas about, you know, how they were able to find appliances that were more efficient, that communicated, you know, on Wi-Fi to each other. Yeah. And, um, you know, what if a storm's coming and, you know, God forbid, in, in the Gulf, right? And now you've got the ability to uh, automatically adjust your appliances and, and maximize the battery storage. And now everything's going to that battery, right? You know, it's like everything diverting to the, you know, deflector shields, right? So everything's going to the battery and you've adjusted all of your appliances to run in the minimal mode, right? So the freezer is at, you know, is at the, the you know, the, 
30 degrees, you know, so it can stay cold. Or maybe you drop it down to, you know, as cold as it can get. And when the external power goes out, it, you know, it, it basically uh, raises it up having battery power so it's not sucking the battery so fast. So, you know, those are the types of things that, you know, people in situations where now you know that, you know, you can survive off the grid for a week mm -hmm. and fairly comfortably in your home, you know, is, uh, is a big game changer. And I think communities that, you know, have these um, batteries that, you know, the whole community can, can benefit from, I think that's, you know, that's what's happening in California, Arizona, you know, those communities that are basically uh, self-contained. And German companies are coming in with new battery technology yeah. Does the prosumer club have an open bar? <laughs> it, uh, it it does, and you pay for it with energy. <laughs> All right, I there. feel like a prosumer club now is is Home Depot or Lowe's, where yeah. you go in, and there's always a solar panel guy right there, and I, ours has like backup storage, you know, energy storage, right. backup generators. So yeah. um, I had talked to someone from Lowe's a while back, and they're like, "Yeah, I mean, we feel like yeah. we." almost had this duty of educating the customer, you know, That's about right. thermostats, home automation, appliances. So. Walk into Best Buy and the first thing you see is the smart home, uh, yeah. you know, showroom. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That, I thought that was super weird because I, I went to I went to Best Buy looking for computer parts and I was I was shocked how much you know, smart home equipment there was just right at the front of the store. A bunch of smart thermometers. I was yeah, I, I haven't been into a Best Buy in like in years, and it's a it's a different. Uh, I don't know. That might, that's, I guess that's the end of my thought. <laughs> <laughs> you know the other the other thing that the uh, the smart home with the Amazon Echo you know has done is it's taking care of the smart in law, right? Oh, we all have the smart in law that comes over that knows everything at Thanksgiving <laughs> or Christmas, and then now. This happened with my dad, right? When I had a cousin that came over and he's got an Amazon Echo. And so mm -hmm. he starts spewing some fact that before, who knows if he's right. So my dad just goes, Alexa, is this true? And then, you know, of course it's not and, uh, and corrects <laughs> wow. him. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. The, anything that you, that you wanna know, instead of Googling now, you basically ask Alexa just just out of out of the blue, you know, and uh, it's you know, it, it's it's changing across generations. Right. It's, you know, my dad's uh, 82. Um, so, you know, this is something that's that's really shaping the lifestyle, you know, of, of how we communicate and use technology. And I think uh, now, once again, you know, when the prosumer that's dormant, understands what they can do with with energy and how this you know the smart home can really you know create a, a whole different lifestyle i think that's what's going to change yeah when you i like the the term the zombie prosumer but it just makes me think about um my parents when we were in high when i was in high school my siblings and i so about eight or ten years ago now um we were telling my parents, you guys need to get Netflix. You need direct TV and get some Netflix. And they're like, no, we don't need all of that. My dad yeah. was still recording his college basketball games on VHS tape. tape. Yep. And this past Christmas, so a few months ago, we got my parents a Roku stick. 
Mm. And now my mom is watching Netflix like, this is the greatest thing. <laughs> I'm like, lady, you're eight years behind. So it just kind of makes me think, you know, yeah. my parents probably won't have an echo in their house for about yeah. eight more years because my stubborn father is not going to yeah. deal with his It'd be a nice present. You could get so, so look at people on fixed incomes. You know, who are the real, you know, zombie prosumers? You know, they're the 65 plus, right? Because they're going to be open to spending, uh, you know, a chunk of money that provides a payback over the rest of their life. And so, because they're going to have the most money in retirement, you have the most, you know, that's when you have, you know, a big chunk of money and you got to figure out how to spend it to get that longevity. And, and that's really where, you know, I see a lot of uh, opportunity for the utilities to target, you know, those almost near retirement and start educating them and then being able to bring them into retirement, lowering their, you know, their bills, right? And getting them, you know, almost self-sufficient. And if they're on any type of oxygen or things that need energy, you've got a battery backup, you know, and now they're selling energy back onto the grid. I mean, it just seems like that's the I think that's the target group, not so much the, you know, the, the millennials, but, you know, who knows? It's really that data that's going to dictate that. I was talking to someone yesterday about the, you know, older customers, and they're the ones who a lot of times have the strongest relationships with utilities. Right. You know, they know who they their utility is. They want to walk in yeah. the payment center. They so, want to write the check. <laughs> so they have that relationship. So being able to leverage that and, and work with older populations could be a really... Yeah good entry point and they for call utilities. the call center just to talk to somebody you yeah. know because they're right. they're even though long distance is is free now yeah the kids still won't call right <laughs> um so you know it's like they have to they want to talk to somebody yeah that wasn't directed at dylan you looked right in my eyes <laughs> because you mentioned you mentioned it earlier you need to call your grandma <laughs> okay it's the lesson here okay i'll call her <laughs> but i no, i mean i agree with you and i when my dad's parents lived in Norman, and my grandpa would do the same thing. He would walk in, he would go to the his utility and pay his bill in person because he said he'd like to talk, he'd yeah. talk to the people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So use that opportunity to you know tell them about you know, and you never know. I mean, they've they've got money to invest in things that they think will help them in the long term. You know, the first thing my dad bought was a Prius. He was never into green anything, <laughs> right? I mean, the lawnmower spewed out, you know, black yeah. smoke, you know, throughout the entire lawnmowing experience. And, you know, but now he's driving this Prius and he has a vanity plate that spells out use less gas. <laughs> okay, so not only wow. does he buy the Prius, he gets a vanity plate, which he's never had. Wow. And, uh, wow. you know, now he's like, you know, like, yeah, if I'm going to buy this thing, I've got to have a message to go with it, you know. So and then he, and then I think the first month he got hit by an SUV. Oh my god! Oh, that's <laughs> oh, that's so sad. That's so sad. <laughs> yes, but but why did he get it? Because he knew that he had to be on a fixed income. He had a chunk of money. He made the investment, and it was the long term strategy. And I think that's that's the you know the other you know you're asking about the the different uh, you know personas of the prosumer. I think that's that's one that you know is is ripe for the utilities is to is to look at that you know aging aging uh, consumer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess it's a, yeah. There's the 
there's the prosumer that's into energy efficiency, and then there's the one that's in energy production. Mm -hmm. Right. Those and those are different demographics entirely. Right. Well, we all use. I mean, we all consume. You know, electricity. I mean, even you know, even if you wanted to, you know, build a, a cabin in Montana and you know, try to go completely off the grid, there's still energy, maybe not the traditional kind, but you're still going to have to heat up something to cook food to, you know, so there's, there's energy being, being consumed. Yeah. Somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. I, I know that you're not, you know, you're not in the predictions game, but what would you say that the, that the energy consumer 10, 20 years down the line looks like? What's the relate, what's their relationship with their utility? Mm-hmm. So I think if you kind of draw some, you know, parallels to like other, you know, types of industry, um, you know, before everyone grew their own food, you'd have gardens. My mother had a huge garden. She grew up in the depression. You know, they had to eat stuff and, and that you would never, I don't even want to repeat some of the things that she said she had to eat to live. Um, so when you grow up in that, you know, era where, you know, just a, a piece of bread was, you know, considered, you know, a luxury to have. And having three meals a day, you know, you were affluent if you were able to do that. Um, now what we do is we get our, you know, food either, you know, delivered frozen and pre-cooked, you know, packages. And, you know, now that's the big thing, right? With, um, is it Blue Menu? Yeah. Blue Apron. Blue Apron. Blue Apron. So, so yeah. Blue they sponsor apron. every podcast in the world except ours. Yeah. <laughs> So Blue Apron, uh, they'll come around. They'll, they'll hear this because yeah. I'm, I'm plugging them. They'll have to. Perfect. And uh, so Blue Apron, you know, prepackaged food. But people are, they went from, uh, you know, the, the growing of the garden to, oh, my gosh, I can, I can buy it in my car in, in two seconds, you know, through drive through And then the microwave came out, right? So that, you know, decreased the amount of time to now we're going back to, give me healthy, you know, mm -hmm. square meals that, you know, that basically I can still make fast, but are more like, you know, 50 years ago when I had, you know, a garden, right? So I think the, the uh, consumer, you know, from an energy perspective is going to go kind of through that same, you know, hype cycle, if you will, um, and be able to, uh, I think, come out on the other end to where it's kind of that balance of, uh, they're going to they're going to have the storage of, of energy and they're going to have some investments in being able to produce energy. And I think energy is going to be a currency in some way. Um, I think you can use it to, to trade, you know, other like services. And it's uh, but I don't think it's going to go, you know, off the deep end. But I do think there's going to be that balance of where the utility relies on the consumer to basically, you know, balance the grid and uh, generate, you know, energy. I'm calling them energy farmers. I think, <laughs> I think, I think there'll be energy farmers, um, and I think then there'll be, you know, in between, um, and then I think there'll be others that just invest in that, you know, in that, um, and all of that. Energy farmers, zombie versus energy. I was like, Henry, you're yeah. creating a, a movie. Yeah, it's like a movie. Energy farmers versus energy zombies. It's like Sling Blade, but it takes place in San Francisco. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, you know, when they on The Walking Dead, when they discovered, you know, at the CDC in Atlanta, 
that the disease is in everyone, mm. right? Yeah. So, you know, so that's going to be the aha moment, you know, when, when uh, you know, utility Rick is there in, you know, talking to the, the doctor and he shows, you know, the video of, I think it was his wife that, you know, got, got the bullet in the head and then all of a sudden animated and, uh, you know, it wasn't a zombie that bit her. Right. I think yeah. that's I think that's the I think that's the aha moment for the utilities is when they realize that, you know, they can't they can't lease the rooftops and block the the the, you know, proliferation of solar in uh, in Arizona. Everyone has a prosumer disease inside Everyone of them. Everyone has the prosumer disease. And then it's going to. That's right. Yeah. Carl. <laughs> Carl. Yeah. Oh, Carl. I don't know. No. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> My 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 theory is some somehow they're gonna they're gonna find some something to keep him you know going for another season. I don't think they're gonna get rid of Carl as fast as Carl's the like. Wesley Crusher of the yeah. of that show. If any if that if anyone gets that reference. The, the other one I thought you know I was gonna I thought it was gonna be a one eyed one arm Carl there you know start of the pirate the last pirate season. Carl yeah pirate Carl. That's right. They put a peg <laughs> leg on him and a parrot on the shoulder, a dead parrot on the shoulder. <laughs> the real monster was man the whole time. <laughs> All right. All right. Seems like a good enough. Seems like a good enough place to leave it before we go completely off the rails. Well, see, you could yeah. do like they do the Talking Dead. You could. The there could be the you know the 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 the, uh, the walking prosumer. Yeah. I like this. We have all these movie ideas from the podcast. Yeah. We have yeah. spinoff podcasts. It's gonna be great. It's like therapy for the utilities. Oh, no. I'm like, I have my customers want with solar on the roof. What do I do? <sighs> Has there ever been breathe, a... breathe? Has there ever okay. been a good movie about electricity or a utility or something? The only thing I can think of is um, movies about like dams breaking, but I, I can't really think of. Uh, there's the you... one with Jane Jane Fonda in it, or there's a whole there's a whole YouTube thing from. Michael Michael Weber, I think, did a thing about movies about electricity and energy. Oh yeah, he has a blog, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, Energy at the Movies or something like that. Oh, have you seen? No, no. I worked with studios. So for seven years at SAP, I managed uh, what we call the service industries. Utilities always being somehow in that service industry because I'm not going to move away from utilities. So it just followed me uh. into the service industries and, um, but, uh, media. So I got to go out to, you know, Hollywood work with, uh, Lionsgate, uh, MGM, Whoa. uh, Warner. So I saw, um, what's his name? George Clooney was on set what's one time. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, George. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, he was, we, uh, we had, we did, a. Uh, a little customer, you know, event thing. And so Warner Brothers let us use their big giant screening, you know, theater, which, I mean, this thing is huge. It's like, an, it was built back, I guess, in the thirties or whatever. And um, so the set we had to walk through to get to that um, venue was the street that they filmed um, Seinfeld. They filmed um, uh, some TV cop shows. I mean, it's like when you look down the street, it's like, I've seen this. I know this. I street. know this. It's like it's a New York, you know, setting. Yeah. With the brownstones and all that, and so yeah, it's um, so when they show the outside of of Seinfeld, you know, in his apartment, that's, you know, that's where they filmed it there on that facade. Anyway, uh, Clooney was there at the corner. They have a lunch 
area, and he was sitting outside and, and eating. He had a bunch of guards around him. But, uh, yeah. Dang guy. <laughs> so yeah, that well, was pretty cool. But well, what's um, his name? Um, but getting back to the power, you know, they were talking about how they, when they do the movies, they have to plug into the, you know, the grid. You know, they can't come through the, you know, the venue. Yes. I think we're, I think we're ready to get on to the rest of our convention, but we'll be, we'll be back in here tomorrow. We're talking to Carlos from National Grid. It's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, thanks for coming on, Henry. Thanks to SAP for sponsoring the podcast and putting us in this awesome booth. You're welcome. I really appreciate uh, the conversation. Um, I enjoyed it a lot, and uh, I hope our listeners get something from, uh, you know, from some insights that we've talked about today. I believe that I believe they will. I also want to thank Christine for being here. It's good to be here, Dylan. Always happy to help out on the podcast. Yeah, and you have to. <laughs> I'm taking you. I don't have a choice, I guess. It's yes. your job. It's part of my job requirements. Thanks, and thanks for being here in San Antonio with us, Aaron. Of course. I mean, I I like driving through Texas. I do it pretty often, from Dallas to Austin, Austin to Houston. Um, so it's calming for me. I like I like the drive down from San Antonio. It's pretty short. And Ralph behaves in the car. She does. She just sleeps the whole time. Um, but I'm excited to be here. Just got to keep my feet from getting too sore. You know, there it's you always go. the trick at DTEC. Maybe your next drive will be an electric vehicle. Maybe so. Yeah. Or an electric wheelchair if, feet, if you break your feet. <laughs> <laughs> no. It'll be an electric wheelchair. So as always. You can find our research and media, etc., on etsinsights.com. You can still register for ETS in March at ets18.co. That's ets18.co. Are you going to be at ETS, Henry? Uh, I don't know yet. I've got to check my schedule, but I know that we're uh, looking at uh, doing some opportunities there as well. Feel free to follow us on social media at dylockwood, at Aaron underscore Hardick, at hc underscore Richards. And of course, at Zprime underscore research. My name is Dylan, and happy Distribute Tech. We'll see you all next time.